You're listening to The Dog Intuitive. I'm Amanda, a pet medium and intuitive dog trainer whose goal is to give your dog a voice. If you have ever felt confused or conflicted on information about the dog training industry, you're in the right place. As someone who lives with five dogs, I know that your dog is an individual who wants to build a relationship with you. Here, I'll break down dog behavior, training methods, and puppy raising all through the eyes of a dog because I believe once we understand where our dogs are coming from, we can help them achieve our goals. And because I live a lot of my life by the moon, astrology and cards, that's going to be sprinkled in here too. I love my family, dogs, Disney, and housewives, but not always in that order. So put on your headphones because earbuds are bad for your brain and prepare to be entertained. Trust me, your dog will thank you. Okay, you guys. (laughs) So funny story. Um, I thought, why don't I just pull a card and then maybe that would, even though I went into this episode with a total plan, like a topic, I was like, what if I pull a card and just see if there's anything from that Oracle card that I can touch on with this subject, um, see how it goes. (laughs) So I, I grabbed this one deck, um, it's the Oracle cards from the Ark, Animal, Tarot, and Oracle card. So I keep the Oracle separate from the Tarot and keep them in the in this one drawer of mine. And so I'm collecting them up and the dog card was flipped up. And I was like, oh, wouldn't that be funny if like I pull the dog card? <laughs> so then I'm just like willy-nilly shuffling these cards and what card pops up? Hi, Tilly. But the dog card. And so the three words that are on the card in relation to the dog are service, devotion, and honesty. I think what's interesting is that the topic that I wanted to touch on today was how our dogs, um, what's the word? It's like they, they get really savvy to our ways. Like we need to understand that like, they're trainable for a reason. Like they're not ding-dongs that don't put two and two together. And I think when when it works, it works. It's great. You know, we ask them of something and they listen and we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. But <laughs> we also need to look at the flip side of that, where in those moments when they're not listening, we kind of unintentionally, assuming they know it, if they know it, then we should assume that we unintentionally train them otherwise. And so here's an example. Enzo and his recall is selective based off of, um, <laughs> I mean, there's lots that's going on, but the the main thing is that he's assuming there's going to be a negative consequence to that and this is a negative that he's made up in his head this isn't like i'm going to punish him this is something that he doesn't want to do and so for instance i swear to god this dog knows if i have jeans on because typically if i have jeans on (laughs) i'm leaving the house and and i even uh unintentionally trained my kids the same way when they were toddlers and i would have jeans on (laughs) and and they'd be like are we going to town today? And I'm like, no, why? Well, you have jeans on. I'm like, oh my God, no, but thank you. I got dressed today. (laughs) So, so I think 
Enzo is in the same realm of piecing these two things together. And so, but I think the main thing that he's watching for is where I'm at in the yard. And it's not only just related to me. For instance, he made the connection that when my husband, Jordy, when he's recalling him to put him in the house, he always leaves. Like Jordy would, like if we're we're away from the house and it's just Jordy and Enzo and Enzo's farting around outside and then Jordy's like, okay, I got to go to work. So he recalls Enzo. And at the time we were using a kennel with him. Jordy would then put him in the kennel. Enzo didn't love the kennel. And uh, so then he started avoiding anytime Jordy would recall him back to the house. And then Enzo would show this same behavior and I would snout it on the front deck and I would call him and he would be like, uh, no, because you are going to put me in the porch. Right now we put him in the porch or if it's a quick trip to town, um, I just leave him loose in the house. But if I know I'm going to be gone for a while, I'll put him in the porch. And... So he's he's pieced together that if I'm in a certain part of the yard, his recall is crap. And I've tested it to the point where I've walked to a totally different part of the yard. And he is standing in the driveway staring at me. I've walked to a totally different part of the yard, said the same words, gave the same body language. And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll come to you. And I'm just like, you son of a bitch. So then I scoop him up. Because I do have to go to town. So then I scoop him up and I go and put him in the house or whatever or the porch and he's pissed. And so once I started, once I started piecing this, because I was like, what? Like I can recall you in different areas and it works and then sometimes it doesn't. And so then I started looking at what happens after that recall. And well, sometimes when I'm in a certain part, (laughs) in apparently certain clothes, um, He's already predicting what's going to happen. So then I have to do the work to kind of keep him on his toes. So I now need to become unpredictable because he's already had it in his head of what's going to happen. So then one day I sat on the deck, um, called him, and he just stood in the driveway, stared at me, and I recalled him again. And he was like, so then he just sat and he was just, we were in a total standoff. And so then I just sat on the deck and the other dogs are around and they're dancing around. And I'm like, yes, yes, your recall's amazing. Thank you so much. The poodle, though, <laughs> is being a dink. And so so then, um, and typically, like, I advise clients when your dog isn't listening to recall, you know, call them once. And especially when you have their attention, when that dog is looking at you and they're like, F you, I'm not coming to you take some steps closer, recall them again, take some steps closer, recall them again, and eventually your dog comes no problem. So I have totally done this with Enzo. I've, you know, stepped on the gravel in my sock feet like I'm walking on shards of glass, recalled him, and eventually he totally does come. So then this case, I was like, let me just try and recall him and wait it out. And let's see him predict nothing. So This is a total patience game. This is something that um, us humans don't really put a lot of time into, especially like on days where I don't have time for this, where I need to go to town. I ain't fucking around. It's like, get over here. And so I'll walk over there and pick him up and get him in the house. And unfortunately, that kind of reinforces his whole like, God damn it. Like, I knew this was going to happen. 
and then it happens. So then I have to make time outside of this to remain kind of unpredictable. So I'm on the deck recall him. He's sitting in the gravel and I just sit and wait. And he's like assessing like, what is she doing? And I'm assessing like, I got all the time in the world, my man. Figure it out. So then eventually he he then took like four more steps. And his like tail's low. He's wildly suspicious. He has no idea why we're doing this. And I'm ignoring the other dogs. It's not like I'm trying to like lure him into this party. Like I'm just like, I pet the big dogs and the other dog. I'm like, okay, leave me alone. We're having a moment. And so he he then got a little bit close. Like he was moving in like five foot increments, this little dink. So he comes a little bit closer and then he lays it down in the gravel. Like he's just going to have a nap. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I... <laughs> I know I said I have all the time in the world, but I really don't have all the time in the world. Like, what are you doing? And then and then eventually he got up, came a little bit closer because I, I, I don't know what he was doing. Like, And then eventually he hesitantly approached me. And I keep in mind, I am not recalling him continuously. I just did it the first couple times and he chose to ignore and chose to like protest And I wasn't going to play that game. I just sat and waited. And I wanted him. Think of like Robert Redford, Horse Whisperer. If you haven't watched that movie, get after it. I think Amazon, you can buy it or rent it. Um, That's all I was doing. Just sitting in the, sitting in the tall grass, waiting for this noble steed to come and be friends again. And so he finally comes up. And of course I celebrate. Of course I'm like, Enzo! You're so good. I'm gonna love it up on him. And he's like dancing around. We're having a pool party and all things. And I'm like, yeah. And so, so then that was it. I went in the house and he was like totally bamboozled, wondering, like, what? Don't you normally put me in the house after this whole kit and caboodle? And I'm like, no, sir, not today. And so then other ways I would recall him. And then sometimes he would come up, no problem. And I would pick him up. And as soon as I'd pick him up, he would get like, oh shit. Because the past has been when I pick him up. I carry him to the porch or whatever. And so I'd pick him up and I'd feel him be like, no. And I would just hold him and I wouldn't pet that because I don't want that. Um, I'm not negotiating anything. I just want him to like chill the fuck out. And so then I'm just holding him. And then once he relaxes more, I then give him some praise, give him some love, put him on the ground, clap my hands, have a little poodle party and then be like, okay, I'm on my way. And then go back in the house or go water the plants or whatever the heck I'm doing. And so by doing this, it creates a little bit of, um, like I said before, unpredictability. And that's what we need to do when our dogs get super savvy to things that we ask of them that they don't totally love. So how does this, how can this, okay, time out. And Enzo is so observant that one day, okay, so we have this, um, I don't know what the hell we call it, like uh, a dugout that we've made into like a beach. So we've brought sand in and all the things and it's a gradual thing, like a beach, like gradual into the water and then it drops off to the abyss. And so he loves going to the beach. That's what we call it is the beach. And um, so he loves it. There's a bird there that picks his ass and he does loser laps around he thinks, and I swear to God, this bird, they have some like past life BS because this bird will wait until the last second and he thinks he's going to get it. And it's just like this zippy little bird that hangs around the water. I don't know what it is. Um, 
but it's highly entertaining. And so anyways, this dog. So me and the girls, um, what were we doing? Oh, we were going to the car show. There was a car show in town over the weekend and it was hot. And I was like, okay, you fair ninnies get your sunscreen on. So we are all lathered up in sunscreen because we do not play that game. And so we were like, okay, let's go. Let's get in the car. And Enzo was jacked. Like he thought something was happening. And I'm like, what is, what, what is the poodle doing? And none of us could figure out what Enzo was doing, what his, why he was so excited to go outside. And like, typically when we're getting our stuff ready to go to town, if he's in the house, he's like, I'm just going to be the best little boy on the couch. Do not put me in the porch. I'm here. I'm invisible. And so we're doing all the things. And I'm like, this is weird. And he doesn't like car rides. So I'm like, you're not, you don't want to come to town. What are you doing? And so I let him out. Cause I'm like, what are, <laughs> I'm like, let's see what he wants to do. Like he's, he's already like really excited about something. And so we open the door, let him out. And he's like doing his, uh, the poodle bark, like just like having a time. And so I go down the stairs to follow him and I'm walking along the sidewalk and he's like, like rearing like a horse and like barking and like, like as if he's restrained by reins and he's like hopping along the grass and i'm like oh my god you think we're going to the water because of the sunscreen because you smell sunscreen because every time we go to the beach we are like sunscreen people typically when we go to town we are not we don't wear sunscreen but we had a plan of like being out in the sun for however long and so we made an effort to put sunscreen on and that freaking dog figured out and he was like going to the beach and i'm like oh no 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 sir we are not doing the beach today we smell like sunscreen because we're gonna go in the blistering heat and look at old cars my friend so this is how some dogs can totally piece the most random shit together and like and in enzo's brain the humans in the sunscreen is a great time positive let's go to the beach because it has always meant that's what's happening what that's what that's clicking together for him and his brain is a great thing and so then i mean the <laughs> the recall to get him in the house was easy because he's like yeah sure let's go to the beach and i'm like psych you are going in the house um <laughs> so so this is you know if we look at the the dog card um this is how honest our dogs are like they they really do things that work for them and they're telling us all the things honestly they are um it's so interesting that way and so some other things that you guys might notice is um and how you can kind of help your dog and how we can be a little bit unpredictable is like let's say your dog park people and let's say your dog loves the dog park and so then it's time to leave and you call your dog and they know every single time that they get recalled in the dog park they leave and so then they're like we're not listening to you we are protesting you need to catch us and so if that is your dog and the recall is selective when the goal is to leave the dog park and say you're standing by the gate or you're standing where you stand and you're holding the leash how you hold the leash and the dog is going that plus that plus that equals we leave and my fun is done. Screw you. We can then go, okay, how do we um, 
change this? How do we start being a little bit unpredictable so that when we do recall them and we do need to leave, we have, say, six times prior. I mean, dogs don't aren't counting. They don't know. But we want to offset that with recalling them for no reason. We just recall the dog, love up on them. You're the best dog ever. Because they're they're not really trusting what's going to happen after that. And so recall them at different parts of the um, dog park. Recall them with the leash in your hand and work yourself up to that if your dog is super sensitive in that regard. Even if you're any, like, this isn't just limited to dog park. This is, I mean, look at Enzo. We had to, he would piece together when he was going to get recalled in and all that sort of stuff and when he's not. And so then I had to be unpredictable in that sort of a sense. Another big one is the vet. And so if your dog has had a negative experience at the vet, and then the next time they come in, they're like, fuck you. You guys are assholes. We are not, I'm not going in there. And they're already kind of a little bit on edge with that space. Then what I recommend, and again, this takes intentional time spent with no goal other than to make your dog more comfortable, have a different understanding, and that it's not all bad, it's not all negative in their brain. Like, when we try and leave the dog park, that's the negative thing in their brain. For us, it's not. We're like, we got to get home, cook supper, do whatever, get in the car, and the dogs are totally protesting because it's they've made up this kind of association in their brain. You're not loading them up in the car and kicking them in the ass. That's not, we don't have to be mean in order for them to create their own story in their head. And so with the vet, even if it wasn't anything where professionals were being unprofessional or anything like that, it's your, what matters is your dog's association to the thing. And so if your dog has had a a moment at a groomer or a vet or whatever, and you start noticing that they are hesitant or they're stressed or they're avoiding like um, an example was a client's dog had um, negative experience at the vet to the point where they didn't even want to go near the scale it's like this dog understood you know you show up you go on the scale then you go in the room and um and so this dog's like nope (laughs) that scale is the start of bad news bears and so we want to so I told her I said if you spend the time I said, and with the way our vet set up, it's nice with an, there's an entrance and an exit. So I was like, you could go in and you can give the space that he needs, make the loop, go out the exit, come back through, go through the entrance, make the same loop and just start working yourself in larger circles towards the scale. And it, and it doesn't, and you have, doesn't have to be for anything other than to have them stop predicting. And I, we do this in agility. A dog will have kind of a an interesting response to, let's say, the dog walk because they have terrible depth perception. So they trust us to walk up the ramp and then they realize they're a little bit higher off the ground. They're like, holy shit. And so we move them along. Sometimes their tail drops really low and they're unsure and we take them off the... We finish the piece of equipment and then we go again because we want that brain to start to trust everything's fine your body can move nobody's nobody's doing anything to you you will survive this it's okay and so that specific dog has made a big thing out of the dog walk 
but multiple goes at it, they learn to trust it, and then they love it. And so it's the same kind of thing that we can apply to a vet's office or a space that our dogs are unsure where something does typically happen, but this time we're not going to make the th that thing happen. And so then they start to have different associations with it. And sometimes even in agility, for instance, it's a great example, and we'll segue back into the vet, but like the dog will get completely comfortable on the dog walk, love it, run over it. They're totally able-bodied. It's amazing. And then we introduce the teeter-totter. It visually looks very similar. And so they trust the teeter-totter right away because they're like, oh man, it's another narrow platform. No big deal. And we really slow them down and help them. We're not just willy-nilly ride the teeter-totter doom. Go for it. We're like, whoa, we know this moves. You don't. So we need to like urch, put on the brakes, ride it down. And as soon as it moves, our dogs are like, holy shit, there's an earthquake. Like, it's not, you're fine. And so they have this experience, take them off, ask them again. Typically, they're more hesitant to get on it because they're like, that one is a scary one. And we work through it and they start to understand it, that they safe, they're, sur they're survive it, all the things. But then what can happen is that the dog walk, which is totally stable structure, can start to create some insecurities and so different dogs, some dogs don't care. Some dogs are like, Rick, I'm a star. Look at me go. And some dogs are like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to move on me. And so then we have to start back and go, look, this is this is this one. This is safe. You got us. We're good. You're going to live. And then, then they start to trust it again and all that sort of stuff. So if you put time into, we'll stick with the vet. If you put time into bringing your nervous dog into the vet clinic for no appointment, just in there to help desensitize them from it and stop predicting what could possibly happen. And they get waggy tail comfortable. And then it's like, okay, exam time. And say something happens and they have a negative experience and um, in their mind. And then the next time you bring them in, they are, if you notice that your dog has that sort of experience, then it's worth to... Um, like the next day, if you have it in your schedule to just bring them in for no reason, just so that it's like, look, man, it's like a one in 10 chance or even more one in 20 chance that there's going to be any sort of negative experience happening here. And so if we start to notice this kind of stuff with our dogs, we can totally get ahead of it and, and work with them in the way of, you know, it's not like every time we load you up in the car, we take you to the vet and you have a negative experience because then they, they will pull that all the way back to, I ain't going in that car. And so this is where we go. Okay. So he hates cars now because he, <laughs> last time he was in the car, it took him to the vet. So let's get him in the car and take him to a park. Let's t get him in the car and, um, drive him to a different spot and take him on a really fun walk. And so we can then start to reframe that brain because it's holding onto something unless you have like Enzo who notices that you put on sunscreen like good grief um yes anyways I hope you enjoyed this episode if you are noticing this in your dog reflect on how you can behave differently to get consistent results in your training because they are super smart and sometimes we <laughs> We are unintentionally training 
some really annoying shit. Before you go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you want even more content, you can find me on Instagram at thedogintuitive. If you have a dog-loving friend, send them here to the Dog Intuitive Podcast and help spread the wisdom laced with tomfoolery. So take a moment to give your favorite pop a collar scratch. And remember, they're all good dogs.